Good morning. I think we know who can get out their driveways and who cannot. Congratulations, you can get out your driveway. Um, it is so good to have you here this morning in worship. I have only two announcements. Uh, the first, Phil is away uh, this Sunday. Uh, he's fine. He's not ill. He's just away, and so it will be us. And the second announcement is uh, that next week, we talked about it last week, but I will remind you again, next week the Pates McDonald Music Series uh, is returning. 3 p.m. here in the sanctuary uh, will be Wind and Wood Duo. It's uh, clarinet and percussion, it's two UAFS professors, and also they will be joining us in worship uh, that morning as well. So you'll get to hear a little bit um, of their offerings uh, during worship, and then they'll be here at 3 p.m. that afternoon uh, next Sunday. There's also free childcare if you would like to use it. So that's my big announcement. Don't forget, 3 p.m. next Sunday. With all that in mind, let's worship God.
Our call to worship comes from 1 John chapter 4. These are well-known words. Beloved, let us love one another. Because love is from God, everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love. Let's pray. Lord, we come to this sanctuary, to this time of worship, first and foremost to adore you, to offer you all thanks and praise. We pray that in our song, in our prayer, in our silence, in our offerings, that all would be to your glory this day. It's in your name we ask it. Amen. As we prepare to confess before God, we have the table before us, and we well know Christ's admonition that if you have strife with a brother or sister, go, confess that strife, make it right, and then come to the table. This table is all about confession and forgiveness. And so now, let us make it right before God, before one another. Please pray with me. Lord, we sing of it in our hymns, and we have the scripture passages memorized. We know that you are love, and that the world will know we are yours when we love, but it is difficult. Lord, we confess it almost feels impossible. Our hearts are too small, 
They have become hardened, and we have grown cynical and jaded. Not only do we not love as you ask, but usually we don't even want to try. We confess this sin to you. Help us grow, Lord. Help our hearts expand and our love abound. We pray in your holy name. Amen. This table is about confession and forgiveness. Because even surrounded by betrayers, Christ said, this is my body and it's yours. This is my blood and it's yours. Because of Christ's work in your life, you are forgiven of your sin. You are called to a new life. And you are called to a life of great joy and great peace. Let's give to God all honor and all glory. Let's sing. be seated. As we prepare to hear God's word read and proclaimed, let's take a moment in prayer. Let's pray. Lord, when our path is dark, it's your word that lights the way. When we cannot see before us, it is your word that is a lantern at our feet. We pray that as we hear your word, that you would help us to see, help us to walk further, Help us to follow you. It is in your name that we ask it. Amen. The first scripture I'm going to read for you is from 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Paul is not usually subtle on where he feels um, a congregation is on being able to uh, hear more of God's good news, and Paul is not subtle here. And so, brothers and sisters, I could not speak to you as spiritual people, but rather as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for solid food. Even now you are still not ready, for you are still of the flesh. For as long as there is jealousy and quarreling among you, you are of the flesh, behaving according to human inclinations. And in preparation for reading uh, the second passage to you, which is from Matthew 5, uh, we are starting, we just finished last week, a series, a New Year series on dreams and visions. And this week, 
you know, my, apologi my apologies, it's February, so we're doing a four-week series on love. And what can often be thought of when we think of love is hallmark love, or maybe as uh, it says in your bulletin for the title, uh, the many, love is a many splendored thing. Does anyone remember that song? Love is a many splendored thing. It uh, was one of the first times that a song um, won an Academy Award in the movie it was in and hit number one in the box office uh, charts in the same year. It was one of the first times that happened. Some of the greats sang it, Bing Crosby, Nat King Cole, and the record my mother had, Andy Williams. Love is a many splendored thing. And if you go back and look at those verses, uh, some of the things that the splendors of love are um, a beloved's kiss, or the first roses of spring, or when our heart is touched. Lots of really beautiful images in that song. And I say all of that to tell you that this love passage will never be a hit song that I'm about to read for you. And I promise you, it's not in any of the verses of the Andy Williams song. And you're going to know immediately why. This is Jesus talking, and he says this. You have heard that it was said you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. And pray for those who persecute you so that you may have children of your Father in heaven, so that you may be children of your Father in heaven. For he makes his Son rise on the evil and on the good, and he sends rain on the righteous and on the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers and sisters, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. This is the word of the Lord. I don't know if you remember uh, reading The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn, or if you read it, if you can remember a single thing about it. Uh, it might have been required in your ninth grade English class. But right in the middle of that adventure story, The Adventures of Huck Finn, right in the middle is this scene we have between Huck and the Grangerford family. You're not gonna remember, it's okay. What's happened is Jim and Huck have gotten uh, parted from each other. They, They've been separated and can't find each other. And so this family, the Grangerford family, takes Huck in, and he soon learns by their behavior that there's a family down the road, the Shepherdsons, that the Grangerfords hate. And Huck doesn't understand why. He's just coming into the situation. And so when he asks what the problem is, what's going on, uh, one of the children of the Grangerford family explains to him what a feud is. He says this to him. He said, a feud is this way. A man has to quarrel with another man and kills him. Then that other man's brother kills him, and then the other brothers on both sides goes one for another. Then the cousins chip in, and by and by everybody's killed off, and there ain't no more feud, but it's kind of slow and takes a long time. Pretty good definition of a feud. 
So, armed with this new knowledge, Huck describes that a couple days later he went to church with the Grangerford family. And you know how this is going to go because they are not the only members of this church. The Shepherdsons are members as well. So I want you to picture it. Each family files in and sits in their pews, and each family has brought their guns with them. They have their rifles resting in between their knees through the entire worship service at the ready. Huck tells us that the sermon for the day was about brotherly love, and as he puts it, such like tiresomeness. The pastor gets up, stands at the pulpit, and starts giving what Huck describes as pretty ornery preaching. Today, Huck's experience is a reality for all of you. Congratulations. Because it is a day for ornery preaching. It would be easier for us to look back at the Andy Williams song and talk about those other splendors of love, of romance, or nurture of our families, or the care we find in friendships, and we will. We will get to those other splendors of love. They are important, but today is an ornery preaching day. You know why. It's because our Matthew passage comes from Jesus' most important sermon he ever gave, the Sermon on the Mount. And this line in it, this passage that I read for you, is perhaps the most important thing he said in that sermon. It is important because of how clearly he states it, and it is important because he's the only one who ever says it. If you wanted to look at all of the ethical teachings of all the major world religions, you would see overlap after overlap after overlap. That's something to be rejoiced over, not fretted over, but it is not just Christians who teach to love your neighbors. It's not just a Christian teaching to say care for the vulnerable or don't lie or don't kill. Judaism teaches that. Islam, Buddhism, Shintoism, Hinduism, I'm going to name all the isms. They all teach that. They overlap. But this teaching, this teaching, I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. This teaching only comes from Jesus. He's the only one who goes that far. He's the only one who demands that much. Love your enemies, he says, and pray for people who would do you harm. Impossible. (laughs) That feels impossible. Just to cap off the difficulty, at the end of that passage, he says, oh yes, and also you need to be perfect in this. Be perfect. Impossible. Surely Jesus knows how impossible this thing is that he is asking of us. Our last names might as well be Grangerford and Shepherdson because, and I cannot see you behind those pews, but I am prayerful that you did not literally bring your gun to church today, but you figuratively did. We all did. We are at the ready. We are ready to fight in a moment's notice. We are ready to cut people out if they cross us, and we are ready to do battle with those who disagree with us, and I've only just talked about family so far. (laughs) 
that's how we treat who might come for Thanksgiving dinner. We haven't even gotten the enemies yet. It feels impossible. And yet there is no way to skip over it. Jesus does not make it easy for us. I won't make it easy for us, for myself either. And there is also no way to skip over it. I had a mentor once, he talked about how when you preach sermons and the scriptures you picked, you know, it's like a food pyramid. And he said, you know, you might want to do a 12-week series on Malachi or 2 Kings, but maybe those passages should be more at the tip of the pyramid, like the added salt and oils. It's like, yes, we need it, but that's nothing to base a full diet on, right? But this passage, this passage is the whole grains of it all. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. It is the passage upon which almost everything else sits. When you think about loving your enemies, it's hard enough to try to do it because he asked, but then there is this additional weight of it. We do it because it's how he lived. We do it because it's what he taught. It's, it's what he showed in this life. And he says, no one's going to know you're mine if you don't do it. You will be unrecognizable as a Christian in this world if you don't find a way to love your enemies. It's not just a teaching from Jesus. It's not just an admonition. This is a requirement for entry. It is ornery preaching. If it feels like too much, too hard to do, if it feels impossible, as impossible as it might feel to be expected to live this way, it is more impossible to live the other option. As Huck's experiences continue, he, uh, he says that, the, I love this, because this is what we all do, right? The family loved church that day. They all talk about it on the way home. They thought the sermon was great and the preaching was fine. But Huck says, they left unchanged. And then within days, the feud is on again, and that child, the one who had told Huck all about what feuds were, that child gets involved in it and is killed in the shootout. And Huck is heartbroken and scared, and so he runs to find Jim, and they push their raft back into the river to escape, and he says this, he says, I was powerful glad to get away from the feuds. There weren't no home like a raft after all. Other places seem cramped up and smothery, but a raft don't. You feel mighty free and easy on a raft. One of the images we've talked about in this room, one of the images given for the church, for the life of faith, for the community of faith, is a boat. We've got one above us. That's the design of this sanctuary, is to be an upside-down boat. It's to remind us all that... This 
family of faith. This faith we walk is a safety in storms. It's a, a transport to navigate unknown waters, and it's a landing spot to find other people who are committed to rowing in the same direction. Our faith is a boat, or in this case, a raft will do. It is difficult, Jesus' requirement to us. Love your enemies. Pray for those who would hurt you. It is difficult. It is also our escape raft. It is this good news that says that we don't have to live by feuds. We don't have to have an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. We don't have to hate. We get to escape that. There's another way. There's a raft. We get to live somewhere different than the land of feuds. Last week we talked about in worship how each of you has a call on your life. A call that God has given you. And I know some of you left wondering if that was true. Or wondering if it is true, what might it be? I know because you texted me about it. And it's a good question. And it's a good thing to wonder. It's what our life is about. And one of the answers is right here. God has called you to live this way. God has called you to love your enemies. To live that way. God has done this in your life asked you to leave behind feuding and retribution and hate. God has done this for two reasons. The first is because you need it. It's the only way to really live. If we live any other way, we are just heartbroken and scared. It is the only way to really live. And the second reason God has given you this call is because the world needs it. How will people know of Jesus' amazing grace if some of us don't choose the raft? How will they know if we don't choose love over hate? Love is indeed a many-splendored thing. It is the kiss of our beloved. It is when our heart is touched, it's the first roses in spring. But the most splendid of all of God's splendid splendor is this love. Love your enemies. It is the most love you can show. That Jesus love that shows who he is that you love when everyone else would hate. To not do that, to not do that impossible thing, it would be to leave our lives unchanged. It would be to leave us unrecognizable. Amen.
As I said before, this is a table of confession and of forgiveness. This is a table of love for enemies because we cannot understand what is happening when this communion is given if we do not remember its context. That all around this table were betrayers and deniers and liars. And at this table, Jesus offered love to each of them, to each of us. If we want to live in his love at all, we cannot do that under our own steam. We cannot do that under our own power. We can only do that because of God's mercy in our lives, enabling us to love as he loves. So as we prepare for communion, let us pray. Lord, your word to us is difficult. Your demand upon our lives is weighty. We kneel before you, knowing that without your work in our lives, there is no way to even begin. And so as we receive this communion, Nourish us, we pray. Strengthen us to live as you have called us. We pray that as these ordinary elements of bread and of juice, by your blessing, are made a blessing, we pray that our ordinary lives, by your blessing, would be a blessing in this world. At this table, at this meeting place of heaven and earth, we join the saints in our communion with you and in our praise and glory of your holy name. Amen. We remember that it is just before he was betrayed that Jesus took a loaf of bread from the table in front of them. Before their eyes, he thanked God for it, he broke it, and he gave it to them, and he said, Take and eat. This is my body, and it's given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And then after supper, he took the cup. He said, This cup represents a new promise, a new covenant, and this one is sealed in my own blood. Take and drink. And when you do, remember me. And so as often as we eat this bread and drink this cup, we do remember our Lord. We remember how he lived, how he died, what he taught, his power. We remember him as we trust and wait for him to come again. This is Christ's table, and he is the host. All are welcome here who love him. The servers will stand at the front middle of this aisle, and I would just ask uh, to come 
down these aisles and just wait for your turn to take each element back with you. If you will hold them in your seat, we will eat and drink together. If you would feel more comfortable, just stay in your seat and we will come and bring the elements to you. All is ready.
Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever believes in me will never hunger. Whoever believes in me will never thirst. Jesus said, I am the true vine. Abide in me and I will abide in you. Let us pray. Lord, we give you thanks. We give you thanks for this bread and this cup and the way that they point us toward your banquet to come, the way they deepen our understanding of your love and of your call on our lives. We know that you love this world in a way that we can sometimes not comprehend. We pray today that we can be one of your lights in this world and we begin that light with prayer. We pray now to you for all those who are hurting this day. For those who are ill, afraid, grieving, for those who hate, and for those who hate us, we offer our prayers. We come before you in this sanctuary, lifting our prayers all the way to heaven. And so now we pray for those people and situations which have concerned us the most. We offer to you both aloud and in the silence of our hearts prayers for particular people and particular situations. Lord, we even pray for ourselves. You know every fault line. You know every darkness. Where we are weak, we pray for your strength. Where we are in shadow, we pray for your joy. Renew and restore us, Lord, for we long for people to see you when they see us. That is our prayer, and we offer it to you in your holy name and pray as you have taught. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. At this time, offering can be given 
uh, before or after worship. For now, this music is an offering to the glory of God. As we give thanks for the offerings of our lives and the offerings of our lives, 
I want to include a prayer for John Wickman's brother, Willie, who is in hospice care this day, an offering of our lives. So let's include him in our prayer, please. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the gift of life, and we pray that we might live it worthily. We thank you for the gift of Willie's life. We pray for his comfort and his peace at this time, and for John. We pray that you will make something of each of us, continue to work on to mold and shape us, so that we might be whole offerings to you. It is in your name that we pray. Amen. I charge you this day with the prophet Micah's charge when he says, What does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God? And now, may the love of God be with you and with those you love and with those whom nobody loves, now and forevermore. Amen. The peace of Christ be with you. Amen.
Please greet one another in his name. Amen.